Hi everybody and welcome back to Opera Offstage. I'm Jesse And I'm Michelle. And today we are going to talk all about resumes. Resumes are one of those things that I think everyone feels like they understand how to do it until you actually have to put one together and suddenly all basic knowledge of how to format goes out the window. This is factual. But artistic resumes can be kind of tricky because they they do differ from your traditional work resume. And so what crosses over between those and how exactly you want to format something that's for an artistic group versus a, you know, a corporate group, there is a difference. So we're going to help you guys sort it out. We're going to talk about some of the differences between what you'll be sending off to a YAP versus what you would send off to a grad school. We're going to go through all of it. But first, we've got a couple of announcements. (laughs) We have so many announcements, actually. (laughs) True. It's uh, more than a couple, but it's all very exciting stuff. The end of January going into February is a busy month at Opera Offstage. We have so much content coming at you guys. We're really excited. First and foremost, today we're talking about resumes and uh, we're here to make your life easier. So if you want to receive a free download of our resume template, then all you got to do is sign up for our newsletter via our website or the link in bio, and you'll get a free download of our resume template. I've put that together in Canva, which is free to use, free to sign up for. I'm sure a lot of you guys already use it. It's going to be nice. We're going to talk in this episode about kind of the do's and don'ts, how to design one. And we basically went an extra step and took out all of the, you know, hardship of formatting. And all you got to do is check out that template, sign up for that newsletter, and then just put your information in. Super easy. We love that for you. The other thing that we have coming up, obviously, is February is starting next week. And I don't know about you guys, but I love Valentine's Day. I love all the lovey-dovey vibes of uh, February. And we have a lot of Valentine's-esque content coming out. First up, we have our watch party coming up next week, Saturday, February the 6th. If you're new to our opera watch parties, we will be voting next week in our Instagram stories. We'll pose four different operas you guys get to pick, and then whoever wins, that's what we watch. We host those for free on Discord. It's super fun. We are able to chat and hang out and watch an opera together. It's a really good vibe. So that'll be Saturday, February 6th at 5 Pacific, 8 Eastern. And then also... For Valentine's Day, we're going to be launching Valentine's Day cards in our Opera Offstage shop. Those will be super cheap and they'll be very funny. So I can't wait for you guys to uh, download those and send those out. Oh, they are very cute. Yeah, we have a Brahms one in there as per (laughs) usual. (laughs) To satisfy my Brahms obsession. As as he is the height of romance. As he is the height of symptom. (laughs) Awesome. And then the biggest thing happening this week is yesterday, we just announced our 30-day practice challenge starting next Monday. If you guys don't already follow us on social media, you can find us at Opera Offstage. And we're super, super excited to be starting a 30-day practice challenge. 2020 definitely kicked my butt, and I definitely need to get back on my practice game as we head into hopefully more opportunity in 2021. So if you want to join us, check out the information that we have on our Instagram. But just a quick little recap of our 30-day practice challenge. If you sign up, we're going to be using the Practisma Journal, one of our partners, as our guide. But you don't need to buy that if you don't want to. We're going to send out a little mini ebook to everybody who signs up. It's totally free to join. And we'll have a little accountability group chat. And I'm really, really excited about this because I think one of the things that makes practice effective is when you have somebody to kind of keep you motivated and keep you accountable so we're gonna have this little mini group chat where 
young artists who have signed up will join us and you can share, uh, you know, practice breakthroughs, what you've accomplished, what you've maybe learned through revamping your practice routine. And it's just going to be a super, super great space. So if you want to join us, we start next Monday. So send us a DM. Let us know that you're interested. And then also yesterday we announced that we're doing a giveaway with Practisma Journal. Now that winner will be announced tomorrow if you're listening to this podcast on Tuesday at 12 p.m. PST. So join, check it all out. All that information for you is on our Instagram. That's so exciting. I'm really excited to get to give away one of the journals because it's it's really good. Yeah, I think the thing that I'm loving about the journal is that like even after we finish this 30-day practice challenge, you can still take the journal and it's a 16-week journal. So you'll still oh, have yeah. like, months worth of use out of it to keep you on track. Because that's kind of one of the things. Once you start doing a practice challenge, like you're a rock star for 30 days, but there's always that chance that you can kind of fall off the boat after the hype is over. Yeah, the Practisma Journal is a great way to continue motivating yourself. Let's hop back in and talk about resumes. The big question you have to ask is like, what is the purpose of a resume? And it is to show relevant accomplishments, have your contact information readily available, and you're going to want to have a headshot. You want them to remember what you look like. They're, you want them to remember whose uh, resume it is. Yeah. <laughs> you want to be remembered which person was wearing which jewel-toned Ralph Lauren dress on day oh, no. seven of auditions. How dare you? <laughs> oh, I say, that in, I, I say that as a joke. But actually, in all honesty, you know. When you're auditioning for these big competitions and programs, they see so many people you want. You need your face attached on the resume so that they can put the two and two together like four weeks after they saw you audition in person. Oh, yeah. And like a very big stress on relevant accomplishments. A lot of people are really only going to be glancing over your resume quickly. They may come back to it later if they're considering multiple candidates, but like you don't want them to be buried in things that you did 10 years ago. No. You want those highlights. Yeah, definitely. And going off of showing relevant accomplishments, I think that it's totally a good game plan to tweak the accomplishments that you highlight based on what you're applying for. So if you are applying for a bel canto competition, obviously you're going to want to highlight any bel canto roles, any sort of concert work you've done, any sort of masterclass work or scenes that you've done that would highlight that versus if you were, you know, auditioning for a Wagner opera. <laughs> like that's two totally different things. Exactly. So showing relevant accomplishments is a great idea. As you build up like more and more things that will go on your resume, there will be things that you cycle in and out based on how applicable it is to the specific thing you're applying for. But let's let's go into some general do's and don'ts for artistic resumes. Number one on my like definitely you should do list, which we've already touched on, is add your headshot. Now, I feel like I've heard so many people ask like, well, should I put a small photo of me at the top of my resume? Should I just print out my headshot as like an entirely separate sheet of paper? And I've talked to some directors about this because this was always something that I wondered. I think it's totally fine to either put a small photo at the top of your resume. You can print your resume and then the back side of it is your headshot. So the, they cannot lose it. If you obviously put a small photo on your resume, you do need to print out a full-sized headshot. So that's kind of why I like the back-to-back method because it's a little bit less for you to carry. It's a little bit less for them to potentially lose. 
Either way, either method, you want to have your headshot on your resume for the reasons we already discussed. I used to have my, like, a little mini-me on the front of mine, but I think I do like the back-to-back method more now. If just for the fact that, like, I if I do the tiny one, I still need to give them an 8x10 usually. So save yourself the resume space. I say I think the back-to-back method is probably the best. I will say if you do choose the mini photo at the top on your resume, please make sure that it's not so mini. <laughs> <laughs> a JPEG that's gone through eight different <laughs> programs. Yeah. And, and make sure that it's a high-quality version. Sometimes when you shrink images, especially since... You know, headshots tend to be pretty high resolution. Sometimes when you shrink them down too much, they become super pixelated. If you notice that your headshot looks pixelated, then it is pixelated. So just just try to be mindful of that. Another really big do, and this goes back to the whole relevant accomplishment things, is you're going to want to list the things you did in reverse chronological order so the most recent thing you did would be at the top and that is because once again you don't want them to get swamped in things you did 10 years ago you want them to be seeing what you've been doing yeah absolutely it just makes it super easy for them to scroll through quickly yeah you want them at a glance to just know what you did last year just makes it easier and it keeps everything a little bit cleaner Definitely. And going off of that, definitely feel free to include any relevant and like 100% in the books, (laughs) like any upcoming events or performances. And you can just simply asterisk and then do like a little byline right below or at the bottom of your resume that says upcoming performance. But if you have something that's like 100% in the books, put it on. They should know. Both for for their knowledge that you're currently involved in something artistic, but also for scheduling purposes. Oh, yeah, exactly. For that reason that they're going to sometimes be scheduling conflicts, but also because it lets them know that like, hey, people are interested in my work. They want me to come work for them. It It's just one of those things. Work begets work. And as far as the things that have gone on, you know, obviously we've all been living through COVID and so a lot of us didn't have work. It's totally fine to put role studies or even roles that got canceled or, you know, things that you covered during that time period. Like definitely still put those on there because you did the work. The Life just happened. It's really important to include the name of directors and conductors you've worked with. Ah! This is like the most important thing. And I I would actually even add, I would even add coaches to this depending on who you've coached with because the musical world is very small and you never know when one of those connections can get you a job. It can be so helpful. You literally have no clue. And I, I include coaches because coaches often work at multiple schools and all around the country during the summers. So yeah. No, definitely. Usually the way that I'll format it is like I'll have the name of the role, the opera, like probably the year, and then I'll have like director slash conductor and I'll have their names. For coaches, I usually put it at a section at the bottom where I also list my voice teacher for that same purpose of just like everybody knows each other once you get closer to the top. But yeah, having the directors and the conductors there are so important because like we said, everybody kind of knows each other or has heard of each other or has like is acquaintances with one another. So um, it's always really good to to have that on there. Also for recommendations sake, you never know if, if they see that you've worked with a certain conductor that they're close to and they send a text to them and say, hey, is this person actually any good? Did you like working with them? So having that on there is great. Do not lie about people that you've worked with. <laughs> That's the flip side of this is do not lie 
about who you have worked with. They will know. They will know. <laughs> you do not want that person to send a text to that person. And they'd be like, I've never heard of them. <laughs> oh, and they will. Once again, you just have no clue who knows each other. You'd be shocked. If you drew a, like a web map of every conductor and director who've met. <sighs> Exhausting. Yeah, you do not want to be playing these games, friends. This is a dangerous, dangerous game. Make sure, make sure, make sure you update your contact information. This is a big thing, especially when you are using the same format and you're just kind of interchanging things because you will move or you'll, you know, get a new email or you'll stop using a school email. Although I would personally say never put a school email on there. Just have a personal email, you know, or a work email that you use for these kinds of things. But yeah, make sure your name, your email, your phone number, your website, maybe your city, Whatever it is that they need to get into contact with you, make sure it is up to date. It is so easy to move and forget to change it. On your resume, it's so easy to change phone numbers and forget to update it. And you, it would suck to lose the job because somebody couldn't get into contact with you. Yeah, and it takes like two seconds. Every time you have to update it and print it out, just do a quick scan and make sure that that information is up to date. And it probably goes without saying, but please list a professional email. <laughs> Nobody needs like cutie pie one two three at yahoo.com. Like we're not sending <laughs> a hotmail we're not account. Sending, <laughs> we're not sending off good scholarship to, <laughs> to cutie pie one two three or sexy thing at hotmail. Okay. <laughs> so just make sure you're using a professional email. Also, kudos to you if you have an email that has your name so it's even more easy for them to put the two and two together. But yeah, make sure your contact information is up to date. And now let's, we've kind of uh, inserted some of our don'ts in the previous one, but let's talk about some of the major don'ts for your resume. Don't, 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 don't make it longer than a page. It's just nobody cares. <laughs> they don't. Well, let, let me say, let me say, let me say that if you have a long resume, like we're talking like a two to three pager, congratulations. That's really cool. But nobody really needs to see all of that. This is why prioritizing and keeping relevant slash your most prestigious slash your most recent information at the top is so important. You, If you have a super long resume, then cool. You kind of have the privilege to pick and choose which opportunities you want to highlight that really do connect to whatever you're trying to audition for. So keep that in mind. Truly, nobody wants to see more than a two-page resume. Like, it's, it's, it's almost annoying, actually. Yeah, it is. It's just, it's too much to wade through, and nobody's going to look at all of it. And, and once again, they're going to get lost in things that you didn't care about showing them, and they may overlook the things that you really did want them to see. There is one exception to this that we'll talk about a little bit later, but in terms of working with actual opera companies and young artist programs, one page. Yes. <laughs> we already said it, but don't lie about your accomplishments or the people you've worked with. They will find out. Or companies you've worked with. <laughs> Once again, these people do talk to each other. Yeah, 100%. If you did like a one week intensive with like a opera company, don't list that you like are a young artist there. <laughs> or like, yeah. Or like a season long person. Like do not, hard rule, do not lie on your resume. It will only cause you so much pain. You will be digging yourself out of that hole forever. <laughs> And I'm just going to throw this out there. If if all you have access to is like your school library printer and that's just all you can do right now, that's fine. Better practice is to use just a little bit nicer, thicker paper for resumes. Number one, 
it'll keep them from wrinkling as easily when you're traveling. <laughs> but number two, it's, it just has a nice feel to it. It won't matter so much if you're attaching it to a headshot that's been printed out on photo paper. But like there is just a nice thing about the quality. It's just like a little bit of extra care. Yes. Also, friends, when going to competitions or auditions, please make sure you don't just bring one copy of your resume <laughs> to the audition. There's no need to stock up on like, great, I'm going to go to Kinko's and print out like 50 of my resumes. Because you obviously need to change them with each new opportunity. And every time you got something on the on the docket, got to put it on your resume. But make sure you always have backup. I mean, I have my famous story of when I was uh, doing an audition this past, this last year. And uh, I literally just, I forgot how to drink water. And I spilled water all over my headshot and resume, literally as they were saying, great, they're ready for you. And I would have been screwed if I didn't have like two extra copies with me in that binder, man. And uh, just make sure you got extra copies. Yeah, it's just good practice. Because you just never know. You never know. And also, always have your resume saved onto a Google Drive, just in case. Backup for the backup. Since we're already on the topic of preparedness, I want to take a second to talk a little bit more about the Practisma Journal, which we mentioned earlier when we were talking about our 30-day challenge. And I want to tell you guys a little bit more about what's actually inside the journal. Each week, you're presented with a new reflection and action prompt. And these reflection prompts allow you to flex that observer part of your brain and write authentically about your progress and attitude towards practice. The action prompt requires you to do something, whether your task for the week is to film your practice sessions or collaborate with others or even recalibrating your definition of fortissimo or over the top. They really help you explore these different areas and challenge yourself. Yeah, for someone like me, I always need to bring something fresh to my routines and to my practice sessions. So the fact that these reflection prompts and action prompts change every week always just helps me kind of get into a new groove and explore new parts of my practice. As you guys know, we're going to be doing our 30-day practice challenge using the Practismo Journal as our guide. You don't need it to join our practice challenge, but if you want to pick up your own, you can get one at practisma.com. You can find that link in our show notes, and that's spelled P-R-A-C-T-I-Z-M-A.com. But we're really excited to share that we have a discount code for you guys to use on any of their products, and you can use that by applying OFFSTAGE15. One word, all caps. That's OFFSTAGE15 at checkout at proctisma.com. If you guys get a journal, share a picture with us. I'm on like two weeks of using it and I love it. It's really fun. Love writing it down. So proctisma.com, OFFSTAGE15. Now let's talk a little bit about how do we adjust resumes that may be for grad school or undergrad or might even be for job applications? Because for those of us who are musicians, we often are applying for jobs that are not in the music world or are adjacent to the music world, where some of our experience is applicable, but not all of it. School applications are the place where I think you can break. I would say you can go up to two pages. And that's because you can add things like scholarships and awards, summer programs, choral and ensemble experience, master classes, and scenes. And because it's school, because they're going to be spending time with your application materials more so than opera companies will, it's a-okay to actually list a fuller amount of your experience. Yeah, definitely. And obviously you can include summer programs and you know, scenes and maybe some really notable masterclasses on your regular performance resume. For school applications, you do have the liberty of including more opportunities should you want to. Yeah. Once again, it applies to that idea of relevant experience. Whereas your choral work may not really be applicable to a young artist program, schools have, 
choirs. They have choirs they're looking to fill out, especially with undergrad and grad students. So that is far more applicable. And obviously scholarships and awards, any academic institution is going to be interested in those. So you just got to figure out where to vary. Yeah. And you have some liberty to include things like your GPA and stuff stuff that's more academically focused on these uh, school applications. When you were doing the reverse, I think something that can be tricky is when you are in high school applying for undergrad or maybe even undergrad and then applying for grad school. Sometimes there is this temptation when you're not super comfortable editing a performance resume to basically just submit your school resume for an audition. But it is really important that you take away that fluff and cut it down to one page. No, it, the the idea here is not to pad things and make them as long as possible. The point is that if you have relevant things that you think the school will be interested in, it is a-okay to include them. They are also things that if they ask for like a cover letter, you might write them in there. But the point is not to fluff it up as much as possible. The point is that they can see all of your relevant experience, which for schools is broader than opera companies. That's so funny to me though, because I didn't apply for undergrad as a music student. So I just never had to write a performance resume until I was applying for like summer programs. I had the audacity to just show up at my school and be like, can I audition for the music program? Jesse really just winging it. <laughs> Atrocious. No, but the, the point that I was trying to make is, you know, if you're not comfortable or used to doing a performance resume, don't be tempted to submit a school application to a real world audition. Like you do need to edit it. Once you're not applying for school, because that's something that I tried to do for sure. (laughs) I didn't really understand that they didn't need to see all of this stuff after I had already gone through the whole, like I got into school. I thought that I could just keep using that resume. You can't. (laughs) Yeah, I have like three or four different resumes saved on my computer for different things. And even then I'll still adjust, adjust them. So just be prepared for that. And obviously save an original copy that has all of the things on it. (laughs) For job applications, this is a little trickier because it depends on what your job is and how much overlap there is. But safe to say that you can highlight almost any behind the scenes or admin work you do, anything you did with scene work or shop or lighting and all of that. That all of that tends to play really well in terms of like a normal, (laughs) a normal job. And the other thing you can really highlight from working in music is the collaborative experience. You work with a lot of people under a high pressure situation. And while that may not fit really well into like the bullet point section of your resume, if you are writing a cover letter, it works really well in there because working in the musical field is really interesting to a lot of people. So it can give you a really nice cover letter. Definitely. Now, Michelle, (laughs) as our resident designer, do you have any tips on designing a good clean resume do i (laughs) does she i actually stole i think i actually just stole your resume format when i made my grad school applications because i was lazy i made you send it to me well that's an honor um (laughs) (laughs) uh, i have to say though i have been told by quite a few people that my resume is pretty bomb which is why you're gonna want to sign up for our newsletter to get that resume template but regardless yes i do have Lots of thoughts on designing and formatting a resume. Probably at the tippy top of design is it is a resume and it needs to be easy to read, organized, and follow a very logical flow. 
I always suggest to do one inch borders and maybe cut it to like 0.75, but you don't want to do like the super skinny. Like if you're having to do that, then odds are you're probably trying to fit too much information on your resume. So try to stick to one inch borders and, and cut the fluff where you can. The other thing is font choice should always be simple. Y'all, no crazy font combos or colors. Like just make sure your text is super legible, 11 point minimum. These people, these casting directors are usually a little old. <laughs> so you want to make it easy for them to, to find and, and read everything just like in an instant. Like people should not be having to look around. Everything should be put in organized categories. You don't want your information to be all over the place because at that point they're seeing hundreds of other singers and if your resume is just giving them a headache they're not going to give the time to like decode your resume that being said other the great thing that helps with kind of creating a flow is all of your columns should be neatly organized and they should be justified accordingly so if you have a little table where you have here's the date here's the role here's the opera here's the company Here's the director and conductor that I worked with and then any other relevant information. That should all be nice in its own little column. And then the right should be justified to the right and the left should be justified to the left so that it's just super clean, hits your one inch borders, super just easy to follow. Well, I actually think we should take a second and let's just kind of talk about what actually goes on your resume, like in terms of the sections. So for example, I primarily work in opera and or concert work. So for mine, I have opera. And the way that I have it listed going from left to right is I have the role, the opera, which should be italicized, um, the place or the company that I performed with, the conductor followed by the, or music director if you don't have a, a conductor for your show, and then the director, and then the year. Everything's justified in, what, five columns? That's what I got going on for opera. I also have a concert section that lists any times that I've had solos in orchestral works or big choir works where I have my role or the voice part that I was singing. And then the title of the work, once again, should be italicized. The choral group or choral society, the conductor, and then the year. I still have some of my recital work on there. That's kind of a you can or can't. I have young artist programs uh, kind of listed more broadly as performance training. Um, and then I have my education, where my degrees are from. And then at the bottom, I have four columns that say, here are the voice teachers that I've worked the closest with. Here are the coaches that I've worked the closest with. Here are the conductors. And here are a couple notable master classes. And I really only include, like, A-list people in that category that, <laughs> you know, people would yeah. like, actually be interested in. You know what's funny? I actually do have a section on mine that you don't have. Oh, what do you have? I have a special skills section. Ooh, what are your special skills, Jesse? I have my dance training on there. I have my improv training and I have tumbling. That's great. Yeah, that's actually a really good thing to bring up. If you do, if you've like done dance, like years of dance or years of specialized dance, put that on there. If oh, you yeah. did like one dance class in undergrad, don't put it on there. No, no, no. <laughs> Like, don't overblow it. Like, make sure it's very clear what level you are. But I, I've also gotten a lot of mileage out of the special skills section just because it gives you and an audition panel something to talk about if they want to talk. I have gotten a decent amount of questions about, about it. And so it's actually quite fun. 
Yeah, definitely. If you have training in any in any special field, even if it's just like you you're used to working in a costume shop or you've done like set design or something like that, like that's a great thing for them to know. Definitely include that. I myself have no special skills apparently, so <laughs> <laughs> nothing. Not a single special skill, so I don't include that online. But yeah, I mean tumbling and and your your dance and improv are super cool facts. Um that's not going to be on everybody's resume, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, just a little thing. It's it's all about adding your own style to your resume and something that will help you stand out just a little bit. And that can be either something like my my little special skill section, but you can also do it with design, something to grab the eye. Definitely. I think you have some a little bit of room to feel free to add some pizzazz. I think your resume should be reflective of your style. It should still be, like I said, easy to read, organized, follows the flow, like nothing crazy. You know what I mean? Like, we're not trying to be Elle Woods with our resume printed on pink scented paper. But it should be, like, reflective of your style. Whatever that might be. And I also think, like, we'll do a future episode about headshots. But I think that you can have so much of your personal style on your headshot. So if you have a bomb headshot, including that on the top in a little mini form, is also a really cool way to kind of show your own personal style. And then, Jesse, you mentioned this a little bit earlier, but... It's always really nice to print your resume and headshots on nice paper. There's no need to spend a ton of money on printing, and you really shouldn't. But having some nice cardstock is hella fancy and just feels professional. Jesse, you are totally right. Like, your resume is less likely to get totally crinkled in traveling. And it's just it's just nice. It shows that you put some effort into your materials. Yeah. And honestly, if you buy, like, a stack of cardstock to print on... It's not that expensive with how much use you'll get out of it for, you know, how many resumes you have to print in a year. But if you are not one of the more design savvy people, if you have reformatted your resume over and over and over again, and you just can't get it to look quite right, do what I did. Steal Michelle's design. And what I mean by that (laughs) is go and sign up for our newsletter so you can get that free resume template It'll be super handy. It's it, it's just going to make your life so much easier if you are not a person who really handles design well. And that's okay. You're here to sing or play an instrument. You don't have to be a designer. We got you. <laughs> Go to Offstate's News to get your free download. Go onto our website and click the link. You can also get to it through the link in our show description. Yeah. Even if you are a designer, resumes take a ton of time. Like, Every time I have to design a resume from scratch, it takes me like two hours at least. So just go and save yourself some time, y'all. Exactly. I think I, I really wanted to address this kind of side tangent because I think one of the things that I think a lot of people are going to be a little nervous about coming out of 2020, but also is just a fact of life, is people get really nervous about like, do I need to be worried if I took a gap year or if I took time off from singing? Or if I took time off to have a family. And I'm going to go ahead and say no. You shouldn't be worried. Your life is yours. It belongs to you. And you're entitled to take breaks in your career. To take time to focus on other things. Like you are 100% entitled to that. So gap years. Medical leaves. Life milestones. Like moving. Getting married. Starting a family. Starting a business. Or just because you need a break from singing. Those are all part of your experience of being like an actual human and any director in my opinion or staff member worth working with will understand and won't hold this against you in our episode with 
Nathan Troop, where we discussed audition packages, I was so happy to hear him say basically the same thing. That was something that I asked him. I said, yeah, should we be worried like now that some of us might have like over a year gap or maybe like two years? Well, I mean, I do. Yeah, I have a two year gap. I have a two year gap. I was working and then I had also just lost my father. And then we hit a pandemic when I started auditioning again. I mean, it's just unfortunately how life breaks down sometimes. Yeah. And I was so relieved to hear him say like, no, like you're entitled to do whatever you want. If you're going to take some time off for whatever reason to like have a kid, that's an important life experience. That's fine. He's like, I might ask you about it, but like whatever. What you do up on that stage is going to be much more important than oh yeah what is on that piece of paper yeah 100 percent. so i just wanted to take a second and give you permission to actually live your life and not be stressed about that aspect of performance resumes i mean the real blessing of this bizarre moment is that if you are like me and you did take a gap year for whatever reason and then you rolled into a pandemic nobody's really gonna have questions about it right now because literally everyone gets it <laughs> yes <laughs> this is gonna be True. the least explaining you're ever gonna have to do so true. So we actually have a couple questions from our audience, too, because we asked on our Instagram at Opera Offstage, what questions do you have about formatting a performance resume? And our first question is my favorite, which is, how do you do that? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, hopefully we answered that thus far. Yeah. Well, I will say this. Easiest. I, I think Word is probably the hardest place to format. It's a little trickier to get word to do what you want canva and pages on a on a mac if you have a mac or access to a mac i think those are much much easier oh my god you guys word is the bane of my existence it's so glitchy like getting columns to work appropriately in word is just so impossible yeah impossible it's literally Um, impossible the other thing i'm just gonna throw out there is that If you are trying to format those columns and you're having trouble, you can also make information tables. If you insert tables, that can be a very easy way to fix that problem if you're having issues with columns. So those are my my two pieces of advice are don't use Word. And if you struggle with columns, try and put an information table. It can sometimes be a little easier to format. But the best answer is just download Michelle's template. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And uh, if you're not interested in the template, I will say that, Jesse, you mentioned Canva. Canva is like a free website design editor. So handy. You should be familiar with Canva if you aren't already because it will come in handy anytime you have to do some sort of like announcement or make a postal for a recital or like make some sort of graphic. Like that's just usually something that we have to do as artists. So Canva's super cool. Check it out. It's I promise you it's so much easier than Word. We also had another listener ask, what ratio of roles slash competitions to jobs should you have? CV versus resume. A CV is allowed to be usually a lot more comprehensive than you would want unnecessarily a resume. So I would say actually you're pretty free to put as much as you, you personally feel comfortable fitting. Whereas like a resume, you would definitely want to chop out any of the irrelevant information. As far as like roles, competitions versus jobs, it, I guess it depends on what you're defining as jobs there. But if you're talking about, like, I guess actually being hired on by a company, I would say that it really depends on who you're auditioning for and what they're looking for, because that that's just going to vary from panel to panel. Yeah. For example, if you're applying for a competition and you have 
you have the ability to boost up the competition section a little bit more on maybe the resume that you would submit to apply or audition for an opera, do that. And then you can slide your competition information to the very top and then put your roles and other experience below. Exactly. Um, and then do the opposite, the vice versa, if you're auditioning for an opera or a young artist position. So sometimes you don't even really need to change the material. Just reordering it can be super helpful for the people who are looking at it. Yeah. And then finally, we had someone ask us, how do you make it look less empty when you're just starting out and do not have a lot of performance experience? I have been there. I understand. We've all been there. Yeah. And like I said, if that is the case, then I would take some of the things that I mentioned for schools. Like I said, you have things that as you get older, you tend to cut out, like certain master classes get dropped from the list. Special skills are a really great way to fill out a resume a little bit if you need to. Um, Because often people have things like dance training or improv training or any kind of performance training that might be relevant. Or if you have acting coaches and things like that, you can always add those on. Choral experience, ensemble experience can be really great when you're young and just starting out because it shows that you've worked. And especially certain ensembles can catch the eye of certain groups, especially when you're doing operas that have very tight harmonies. So there are lots of little things, like I said, uh, especially the stuff we mentioned in the school section that can be used to fill out a resume a little bit more if that's making you nervous. Definitely. And I would just encourage you not to, to feel too nervous. We've all been there. It's not like some huge red flag if you don't have a ton on your resume. Like You're directors young. are fully aware. In classical yeah, music. It's totally fine. Like there's literally yeah. only so much you can do at a certain age. And I also yeah. kept my musical theater stuff on my uh, resume for a while there because I simply had more musical theater experience than I did opera. So that can also, if you're one of those people who's kind of transitioning from one to the other or you know, in high school, you did a lot of musical theater and you're applying for undergrad, feel free to add stuff like that. I would still consider that pretty relevant while you're young. And then it's stuff, like I said, you phase out as you get older. Yeah, definitely. Musical theater experience, choral experience, like you said, dance experience, any acting experience, special skills. I sang backup for Michelle and I put that on there at one point. And I sang for a friend's yeah. composition cabaret and I put that on there. There are lots of little things you can add, you know, uh, lots of little performances that you can add in there. Solos you've had at church jobs you can put in there. Lots of little stuff. Yeah. Also, if you have done scene works or scene work with your school or if you've done any like workshops, master classes. Also, if you've done a recital, like as per required of you from school, you can definitely <laughs> list that as well. And then also, if you're kind of nervous, if you are applying for something and you do have an upcoming thing, add that as well. Or any sort of uh, roles that you have learned just on your own through role study, add those as well. Oh, yeah. Roles studied is a great one. And I will say this. If your school doesn't have covers, like if they don't cast covers, ask if you can cover a role. If you're nervous about like, you know, eventually having to send off like grad school things, like ask to start covering roles and attending rehearsals even if you're not in a show or even if you're in the oh, ensemble yeah. um, because role covers are great oh for sure I can't remember what they're called and I don't know if this is just like I'm, I can't imagine that it's just specific to my grad school but we had like our operas would be double cast and then you would have double cast covers and then you could also be like this third party where like you knew you'd pretty much never go on stage, but like every once in a while, like you could actually get coaching time on the material, like ask to be that. 
<laughs> like you're like even if your school does have covers you can say would you mind if i like prepared this role on my own and attended the rehearsals yeah and i would say like most of the time directors aren't going to be bothered that they're that you're there and it shows initiative and then you can mark that role as a role learned and you know, like i said sometimes in those situations like when i was in dialogue of the carmelites those like cover covers i can't remember what they were called would get time to be coached in the scenes which was cool and you'd super be rewarding for them if there's one thing i know about arts programs is that they cannot keep anyone's schedule straight for more than about 10 seconds which means that inevitably somebody has to be in two places at once and then there you are with the role learned <laughs> and you get to step in and help them block other people it's great it shows tons of initiative it's also a great way to get to know directors when you're young and new to a program so not only are there tons of things that you've probably already done that you can add to your cv to fill it out there are also lots of little opportunities if you're looking forward and thinking like oh what am i gonna do if i don't get a bunch of leads before i leave undergrad by the way i went into grad school with zero lead roles it's fine (laughs) you don't there's tons of stuff to fill out a resume and that, that also leads into my point, which once again is to say it mattered more what I did on the stage for my auditions than what was on my resume. Because my undergrad resume wasn't like all that slick. So don't don't worry too much. Well, just to just to clarify to our listeners, Jesse went to grad school on a full ride scholarship <laughs> with no like with no leads. main leads. <laughs> like, so just it's going to be OK, friends. Jesse's just a freaking baller. So there's hope for the rest of us. So <laughs> that's its own very funny story. But the point is that don't sweat the resume too much. This is all just tips to help you fill it out and get it organized. And I hope it was really helpful. Yes. So we hope that you guys are feeling motivated. Obviously, auditions are happening right now. And we're all trying to kind of prepare ourselves for this next round of auditions. So hopefully you will step forward into those auditions with a bomb performance resume. And, you know, we're, we're, we like to be very generous here at Opera Offstage. We love to, to be of help and of use. So if you want a free resume audit, if you're like, I have a resume ready to go, like, but I might want another set of eyes on it, the first five people to email their resume to us at operaoffstage at gmail.com will give you free feedback. You know, I think that's always super nice. I always like, like when I was first drafting my resume that I basically have now never needed to change, <laughs> I wanted as many people to see it as possible because I was just like, is it good? Like, is it professional? Like, what do I? And I would workshop it and workshop it, which is why I feel so comfortable sharing it now. Um, so if you want that same experience, we would be happy to give you some some feedback. Yeah. So we hope <laughs> we hope this episode helps you and we hope you guys will go on our website and get that free resume template to get you started. We've got a ton, a ton, a ton of stuff coming up in February. So please go and go on our social so you can see what's coming up, all the fun events we have happening. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter at Opera Offstage. You can also join our Discord and talk to us there. We have lots of silly and funny things on there. Don't forget about our Practisma Journal giveaway, which ends tomorrow. So get on that if you want a chance at winning this really, really handy practice journal. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.